Welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. It is hot out. Hot, 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 and I hate it. I'm sure my co-host, my good friend from the uh, sports director at KORN Radio in Mitchell, South Dakota, agrees with me, Travis Krenz. Travis, do you love the heat? I hate the heat. I'm not mad at it, though, because it's been very mild and cool for July. So I'm not... I'm not tired or upset about it because at some point it's got to be hot, and uh, this is this is the hot right here. So I just if I would be I would be okay with the hot. I would be okay with the heat if we had rain. If our if the yard was good, we're in a drought right now. Pretty much all of uh, all of Minnesota is in a drought right now. It's to some extent. Last week the the drought monitor comes out every Thursday. And 1.19% of Minnesota is now in extreme drought, or very, like, it's like the D3. They have D0 to D4, and St. Cloud is in the D3, uh, this part of Stearns County is. So we are part of the 1.19% that is You're in the 1%, this. Stan, yeah, you're yes. the 1%. Yes, yes, the 1%, the, the 1% that Trump cares so much about, right? Um, yeah, the 1%, yes. Yes, yep. Uh, so we really could use the rain here, but it does sound like I, I saw a video from the Weather Channel. Now, I don't know if I can take this based on their forecast this summer and telling us we're going to get rain when we don't. I'll take it with a grain of salt, but they do say... For us here in the upper Midwest, maybe extending down to like in the northern plains and maybe extending for you guys in South Dakota, that the northern plains should have a like average temperatures August through October, which would be very, very good. That would be nice. We have amateur baseball over the next two weeks starting Wednesday or Thursday of next week, and that's a 32-team tournament. We'll probably have seven or so teams in that and that is always usually very warm so i would appreciate it uh, i would take sign me up for 85 right now i'll go 85 i don't want 90 95 yep so it's yep. gonna be long games nine inning games at night and not good so nine innings. We've, we've gotten we've got some rain we've been pretty lucky here uh, we missed out on something last or uh, two, three o'clock this morning, just to the south. Um, but last week we got under a small little cell, and not a lot of people got, so we got a little bit there. Mm-hmm. So that was the last one too. So we've been lucky, been pretty cool, but now we're ready for the heat. We'll see how long, see how long this lasts. Yes, it would appear to be a long shot that we're going to get uh, a lot of rain in August, but hopefully we do help get stuff. Uh, you know, greened up a little bit here, and maybe you know that'll just mean we get uh, some more rain in the fall, and certainly come winter time, hopefully we get a decent amount of snow. I don't want to say snow. I mean, we are in July still, but it is time to start thinking about that potentially here. I mean, we are fi- we're recording this here on on uh, July on Monday, and it is exactly five months to Christmas Eve. So I mean, start getting your shopping done, right? Get it done. I'm never too early to get those deals. Yep, exactly right. Amazon Prime Day last week, I think, a couple weeks ago. Yep. You know, nuts. So next week you have the Legion Baseball and stuff. How many games will you have to call each day? Just one, hopefully. There's four games a day through the first round, and then there's only two. 
So that starts what Wednesday the second with two games. Then we'll have four games Thursday through Sunday, and then by the time we get to two Mondays from now, they'll be down to two games a night. So, yeah, hopefully, just one. We got three people to call games. So there's no reason for anybody to call more than one game a night. Good. Or a day. And I would imagine I'll probably call four, four to six, four to six games somewhere on there. I would say. Is this a double elimination, or is it like a best of three series? Of- no, one, a thirty-two team bracket. Uh, winners go on, losers are done. So that is that is all it is. Thirty-two team bracket. All right. We're all August thirteenth, Sunday. This is the one game championship at three o'clock. All right. Very good. Well. Uh, good luck with all of that uh, next week here. Of course, we'll talk before then, but as that uh, is getting started here. And that draws a lot of people, right? You know, like you have those four games for four straight days. I just think back to, you know, like for the Summit League tournament, you know, the crowds and stuff that come in for basketball and, and whatnot. Like, do you, are the crowds, is it like this a sustainable crowd throughout each of the four games for those four days? Yeah, good crowds, probably maybe a thousand people, tops, maybe. Okay. I don't know. Somewhere around there, maybe the the big games. So about how many fans USD brings to the Summit League tournament? Probably a thousand, probably twice as many as USD would bring. <laughs> so um, it should be in Mitchell every year. It's only been in Sioux Falls, I think, once since I've been here. And my teams are closer to Mitchell. Yep. Um, it should always be in Mitchell. Yep. And it has been, what, seven, eight years, eight of nine years since I've been here. Well, a lot of the teams are from around here. Alexandria, they've been pretty good. They're a big draw. They're 12 miles up the interstate. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of towns within 20, 30 miles. So, once those teams play, they get big crowds. Sometimes you get teams from further out west or especially up north. They might be a couple hours away. They don't draw nearly as well. Mm-hmm. But... You get a, you get a couple local teams. There will be a lot of people there. It's a, and it seems like it's a big event. It's a big draw. Everyone you know gets excited mm-hmm. about it. So it's one of the, I would say probably one of the premier events in in summer in at least the Mitchell area, if not all of South Dakota. Right? Am I overstating this? Yeah, Mitchell. Yeah, a lot of basketball tournaments, but you know this is kind of the end of the summer. Once this happens, you know summer's winding down, and then. Basically, that next weekend is the first first uh, Friday of football. Holy shit! The area team, so yeah, that's what three, probably three weeks away at this point. So, I'll yeah, ask, not much time I'll ask you as we get closer how well Mitchell will do this year, and we'll talk about that here because boy, probably not well. Probably not well. Okay, better than last year or worse than last year? Probably the same. Okay, well, two, two and seven last year. Okay. Better record wise, but three, three and six. Well, we'll see what happens there. I mentioned long shot for us getting rain and getting you know out of this drought here anytime soon. Speaking of long shots, that would be I think what we could consider Brian Harmon, winner of the Open Championship this last weekend at Hoy Lake at uh, in Liverpool. There, um, golf's final major of the season. It's my favorite championship because of the weather, because of the link style golf. 
because how early it is, you know, it's one of those rare times you get to get up really early and watch golf and still have the rest of your day to do stuff after 1 o'clock. And we didn't really get the weather until Wednesday, uh, until Sunday, but one thing that was absolutely consistent after, I would say, Thursday night would be Brian Harmon. He torched the course on Friday shooting a 65, and then he was steady as steady could be on Saturday and Sunday. He won by uh, six strokes. It's the second biggest margin of victory by an American golfer at the Open. I believe only Tiger Woods had a larger margin back in 2000. But his putting was great. I think he had only 108 putts for the entire uh, tournament, which was the fewest, I think, in Open Championship history or among the fewest in Open Championship history. He's a guy that not many people really, I would say, knew about or have remembered. I mean, his last win on tour was in 2017 at the Wells Fargo Championship. I believe that was in Charlotte. So if you want to talk about just... I don't know, a no-namer, but a guy coming out of nowhere, Brian Harmon would be it, I, I would say. Yeah, I've never heard of him. Good performance from him. I forgot who he was yesterday afternoon. Pull pull him, pull him his uh, profile up on ESPN.com. Uh, what does he got throwing it? Just pull it up. Brian Harmon. Yep. Yeah, you can just go to the to the Open Championship, the scoreboard, and just click on uh, Brian Harmon's name. Hey, he looks nothing like uh, in that profile picture on ESPN.com. Like what he does now in real life, he has hair in the ESPN. What the? Yeah, he has. Yeah, he's bald. Yeah, he bald. I thought he like I couldn't tell if he had like is a little bit of Asian descent. I don't. Yeah. I don't know for sure. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be racist or anything like that. It's just like it, it, he, it, like he looks completely different than his profile pic. So ESPN, for goodness sakes, update the profile pic. Yeah. Um, but it's just an incredible story. He doesn't drive uh, the ball very well. Uh, I mean, he had, he hasn't really done anything of note here, uh, you know, since 2017, since that win. He's had three second-place finishes. All of those have been this year, so it finally started to come together. But the one thing that you have to do at the Open Championship, you have to putt well, you have to avoid the bunkers, you have to avoid the trouble. Prior to the final hole, the 72nd hole, he had hit only one bunker all week long. Fewest in the fewest of the, of the, the participants, the golfers out there. That's incredible stuff. So... Obviously, it wasn't about distance. It's just being accurate, and he was as accurate as accurate could be. Come uh, the come the weekend, come Friday. I mean, after Friday, he was in full control. Yeah, there wasn't much. I didn't see anything during the weekday. Saw a little bit Saturday, Sunday, and it really wasn't in question who was going to win because he led by so much for much of the way. So. Yeah, there, there wasn't a whole lot of interest. The pretty good leaderboard, other than him, had some of the top names on there, but he just ran away with it, so there wasn't much drama at the end. So, good for him. We'll see if he can keep this up, but a uh, uh, pretty pretty forgettable. Great performance from him, but I think many people are going to remember it because of who it was. 
Who was the guy who beat Tiger Woods in the PGA Championship some years ago? Um, yeah, he was like a one, one major wonder. I think he was from China uh, or Japan. Yi Yang. Yi Yang. Thank you. Yep. Yi Yes. Like, is this a Yi Yang sort of like? deal like are, is you know Brian Harmon winning this one major and then we're not going to hear from him again there's a lot of talk on the coverage this weekend about oh you know he really wants to make the Ryder Cup team and it's hard not to look at this and say yes he should make it but at the same time I mean he doesn't he doesn't hit for distance you know very far so is that going is that Ryder Cup material I don't know but you're playing overseas you know at Rome this year the Ryder Cup is uh I mean, he certainly could be. I, I think he has to be considered right now based on this performance. But, again, it, it just is amazing because he was not even mentioned among the players who could possibly win this thing. Rory certainly dominated or garnered a lot of headlines. Uh, and I think you know, he just couldn't make a putt uh, yeah. to save his life on, on Saturday and Sunday. You know, if he had made a few more of the, the the of his putts, I think we may have a different champion. I think Rory would have perhaps won this thing. I mean, he was so close on a lot of his putts. Tommy Fleetwood couldn't buy a putt at all. Uh, he couldn't get a putt to drop at all. John Rahm nearly mounted this furious comeback, 89th place after the round one. Got all the way up into a tie for third place after the third round, and, and he just couldn't finished the deal on Sunday. Like I said, the rain was very impactful to a lot of these golfers. But when you're as accurate as Brian Harmon was in these conditions and as good of a putter as he is, I mean, he's one of the top guys, I guess, in strokes gained and stuff from tee to green or whatever. Uh, I mean, he's that's that's the recipe for success in this tournament. That's why I never go with the Brooks Kepkas, the Bryson DeChambeaus, to win the Open Championship. Because the long ball doesn't always matter here in the Open Championship. There's another guy, Tom Kim. Yes. From South Korea. He's 21. Apparently tore ligaments in his right ankle earlier in the week. Yeah, he, he uh, rolled it uh, like walking off of his patio home. at it, Or uh, walking uh, down the patio at his rental home. That sounds like a baseball injury to me. It is. Yeah, I don't know how you get hurt. Besides playing golf, I don't know how golfers get injured, and apparently this is how they get injured. But he, yeah, he won a million dollars. He was considering uh, playing, and he won a million dollars. And he is someone, again, they said, like, oh, he's got a lot of potential. So we'll see if he can come around and and do something. Golf, golf, golf is odd because this guy can do well on a hurt ankle. Yeah. Brian Hawkins can win this thing and by far be better than anybody else. It's just, it's just weird because you don't know what's going to happen. It's just just odd. McElroy hasn't won a major in 10 years. It seems impossible. Yep. A lot, a lot of big names didn't even make the cuts. Justin Thomas. Remember there was a time when I think we he didn't even make the cut he was so bad and like I remember I think there was a time when we did you know a sports lounge deal and Schottenkirk was on and he was talking about how great Justin Thomas was going to be and stuff and Justin Thomas is a very good golfer 
But it's like, okay, I need to wait and see it. I think he's won a couple of majors. But, I mean, he has fallen on hard times, like bad times. Like, if you were to choose right now for the Ryder Cup, Justin Thomas or Brian Harmon, I mean, I'd have to go with Harmon because where is, is Thomas's head at? Thomas has won the PJ Championship. I guess he won it last year, which is news to me. He also won it in 2017. So he's got two majors, 30 years old. Like Tiger Woods, it was like without question he's going to make the cut and, and be in contention. Like half of the guys that you know about, half of the stars, the golf stars, half of them don't even make the cuts most of the time. Right. Right. And Tiger Woods, I mean, it was obviously going to make the cut and he's going to be there at the end. But like Dustin Johnson and all these other guys, uh, Phil Mickelson didn't come close. But it's like, Jesus, you know, they, they didn't even come close to making the cut. Yep. But and that's, the, yeah, it's unbelievable. And the guys that you would think would be up there, you know, like a Jordan Spieth, uh, you know, he hasn't really competed for. Uh, major titles here lately uh i mean scotty scheffler had a very bad it was very uncharacteristic for scotty scheffler to do as bad as he did at the open championship john rom was up there john rom seems like he's going to be a guy that's going to constantly compete for uh major championships and it's going to be a surprise if he misses the cut rory again he's so close like he's knocking on the door his irons were terrible on Friday, but his putting kind of saved him. Uh, you know, scrambling. He, you know, the Michael Vick of, of golf, shall we say. Uh, yeah. Lamar Jackson of golf. What, oh, you upset my... Hey, Angus, down. You upset my dog when you mentioned Michael Vick. Oh, I'm sorry. Down, dog. Down. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, on Saturday and Sunday, his iron shots were great. He was knocking it, you know, very close to the pin, and his putts just wouldn't drop. So... Again, I think if Rory makes a few more of those putts, certainly he would have been closer, but I think it changes the whole dynamic of the championship. Uh, and I think Rory likely would have won. So he's close. He needs to figure it out. It's going to be in Royal Portrush in a couple of years. That's in Northern Ireland. So that's like prime, you know, that that's where Rory McIlroy is from. There's going to be a ton of pressure on him there. There's always a ton of pressure on him at this tournament, but... He's got to figure it out, just put it together, because for, for whatever reason, it hasn't been there. And that's why I didn't pick him to win this week. I took Victor Hovland. Hovland looked like he was going to kind of mount a comeback on Sunday, and then he fell apart. What did he finish up with, like a tie for 11th or something like that? Um, not not great. Uh, let, let's see. 11th, that's, that's, that's all right. Yep. So, I mean, he he was there. Uh, he had a chance, but, you know, you're kind of waiting for him to break through. Uh, Cameron Young, who's sponsored by Major League Baseball. That's probably, that's my favorite sponsorship out of any professional golfer. The fact that Cameron <laughs> Young has a sponsorship by Major League Baseball. He should become my favorite golfer. He should. I had Xander Shoffley. He was, what, two under, tied for 17, so he yep. did okay. We didn't do that bad with our picks, really. I mean, we went oh, a lot worse. And, yeah. and uh, you know, we didn't go with, you know, who what we would consider, like, monumental favorites or like, great with the odds. We went with some ones kind of middle of the pack or maybe towards the upper yeah. tier, but not at the top top. 
you had this amateur, the Christo Lamprecht from what, Georgia Tech or wherever he's from? Yes, and uh, he hails from South Africa, you know, the home country of Gary Player. They generate a ton, uh, Ernie Els, they generate a ton of golf talent. And he was leading after the first day of 66, and then he goes 79, 76, 74 to finish uh, second to last. So, good moment for him, but then he just, you know, fell off the map. But, yeah, yeah, who who, who didn't make the cut? Colin Morikawa didn't make the cut. Zach Johnson didn't make, oh no, Zach Johnson did. Let me get back here. Um, Tony Finau Finau didn't make the cuts. Yep. yeah, a good uh, good showing for Jason Day. I like Jason Day. Good uh, good showing for him. We have a Phil Mickelson. Uh, we mentioned him. But t- I don't think Phil is ever going to make it. Like, he's just in it. He's kind of like John Daly. John Daly's only in the Open Championship because he won it way back when. Phil Mickelson, at this stage in his career, is only in the Open Championship because he's won it before. Justin Thomas opens with an 82, so... And that Jazz guy, he finished last. Jazz, Jana, Wanna, Not, whatever the hell. Yep. He was bad, so. How about yeah, yeah. how about the guy from India, uh, Shubankar Sharma? He had missed three straight cuts coming into the tournament here. He had never even, he wasn't even close to competing for a major championship. He finishes in a tie for eighth at five under. Like, the, uh, the year to the Sharman bullet paper fortune. I, I did. Um, <laughs> Good for him. Good for because, like, yeah, I mentioned last week. Like, who's going to be a random guy that I've never heard of? Well, Brian Harmon, kind of, but then this guy. Yep. Uh, Matthew Jordan. Who the hell is Matthew Jordan? Finished tenth. You know what? He's a he's a yeah he's that a hail a Hoy Lake is his home course. Like he's a member of the course where the Open Championship was at, and I mean that's. One would think that he would do, like, that gives him a bit of an edge, but there's a ton of pressure there. And they rearrange the course of it. Like, 17's a new hole. That was that par 3 with all the bunkers in front of it. Uh, normally, the opening hole for members is hole 3, or what it was, like, hole 3 uh, for the tournament. Uh, so, you know, it, it changes a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy that was kind of a cool story, a, a member of the course playing and, and doing as well as he did. And that's another golf thing. It's like, this random guy finishes yep. top 10, top 15. Yep. Weird. Indeed. I've, uh, I've never gotten into the Ryder Cup. And any any U.S. thing just turns me off. U.S. versus anybody, like Team USA thing, automatically don't like it or I'm not interested in it. That's probably got a lot to do with it because I don't give a shit if they win or lose or whatever. Like it doesn't matter. I think it depends um, on who's on the team. Like it's very difficult for me to cheer for like a Brooks Kepka or Bryson DeChambeau. I don't like them. Um, you know, you cheer, and you know there are some really good guys on the international side like Rory, uh, John Rahm. I mean, there's there's a lot of good guys out there uh, that yeah, it's it's tough, but it is what it is. Congratulations again though to Brian Harmon. One of the, I would say, better performances that we have seen, uh, just how steady Eddie he was the uh, over the weekend. No one really could come close. He had a couple of bogeys on the weekend, on Saturday and Sunday, but he righted the ship. He was like 
I think the closest the lead got was three strokes on Sunday, and after that he said, nope, uh, I'm, I'm distancing myself. He made back-to-back birdies. Uh, he, he was just incredibly in, in, uh, unflappable. Yeah, whenever whenever he dropped a couple shots, and it looked like, well, maybe we'll have something here. Oh, yeah, he answered with birdies and then, then put it out of reach. So congratulations to Brian Harmon, the last uh, major of the year, and the playoffs will start sometime in August, um, and it'll wrap up before college football season, or right as college football season begins, which is nice. Right or yeah, they've done a nice job here changing the schedule the past few years. And... I like it, because I think golf loses their playoff. They lose attention once college football begins. It's smart to maximize your coverage window, your TV window, by doing it before, uh, before football really gets going. I saw week one of the college football season, and it is skippable, I would say. Do you see where college game day is going to be? That's what I saw, and I'm like, well, why are they going there? There's got to be something better. And there really isn't. Yeah. Like, there's no, like, Alabama sometimes plays a named school. You know, you got, you got North Carolina and South Carolina, which they usually play. And it's like, all right, that's, you know, sometimes those teams are good. You've got uh, LSU and Florida State on Sunday night, and that's by far the best game. Yes. Yes, and other than that, I couldn't, I would, I couldn't tell you all this. This is the second best game. This is the third best game. So this seems, I don't know. I, I assume week two's got to be better than this. Oh yeah, this because we have uh, we have Texas at Alabama week two. But this seems abnormally. This seems like the worst opening week in many, many the worst since they've started making opening week somewhat important. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean. I guess we'll need to wait for the rankings and stuff to come out, but there's... But you're going to have Northwestern and Rutgers Sunday at noon or Sunday at 11. Yeah, I mean, and that's the, that's the thing. that Like, CBS, now that they have the Big Ten, they're going to try and, you know, promote the shit. I'm glad, though, you know, as we have said in previous years, it would be nice to have more games on Sunday. So I am glad that we have a couple on Sunday before oh LSU, Florida State. It's just... Who it is, you know, Oregon State, San Jose State, Barf, and Northwestern and Rutgers, huge puke. Like, absolute garbage. Well, there's a few more games on that weekend before. Yes. But still, it's, yeah, it's going to take a couple weeks to get going here, right? UMass at New Mexico State is a game on ESPN in week zero. I mean, well, what's the point? What is the point? I don't know. Why? Why are we doing this to people? I don't know. I do not know. Navy Notre Dame, I think, is the most entertaining one because that's going to be in Dublin. Yeah, you're watching that. Who do they play? Uh, Navy. Maybe you're watching that just because of where it's at. So. Yes. Yep. And a reminder, <laughs> Northwestern's only win of the season last year came overseas in Ireland against Nebraska. You never know what could happen. No. No, you do not. And it's only now. Speaking of never knowing what can happen... Um, Minnesota Twins offense is kind of awoken now. Here, they sweep the White Sox at home uh, in Minnesota over the weekend, including uh, coming back from being down three nothing in the bottom of the ninth on Sunday. They uh, uh, they're playing. They're eight and two since the All Star break. 
The offense is, is chugging. I mean, they had scored five or more runs in like six straight games prior to their shutout loss in the final game of that four-game series against Seattle, who, uh, who they will be playing at home this week. So the Twins now, you know, as of the recording of this podcast, a three-game lead in the AL Central. Uh, that's, that's uh, I don't know how significant that is, but it's nice to see the Twins playing well out of this uh, stretch here, the, the opening gate out of the for the second half of the season after the All-Star break. Uh, they, Oakland, Seattle, Chicago, teams under 500, the worst team in baseball. Teams you should beat, teams you have to beat, and they've done that. And this, this dog shit of a schedule continues with Seattle and Kansas City and the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. So even in these next 10 days, they can still, you know, Go at least six and three with these teams. You can't lose to Kansas City. You got to sweep them. Yep. You know, uh, you split with Seattle, so beat 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 the Cardinals two out of three. They're no good. But Seattle's are like a five hundred team, and they have they have a lot of talent. They aren't garbage like yeah. the White Sox and the A's are. But the Twins, the Twins beat them pretty good, ten three six three. Yep, and they so should have won that first game. They lose seven six, but they had the lead. Should should have won that game. So. Good to see, uh, you know, at some point, you got to turn it around. And Alex Karloff was the AL Player of the Week this week. Good. That helps. Uh, Buxton sat out a couple games, which helps. And then he had a couple home runs this weekend, so that was good to see. So, yeah, offense, offense looking good. Um, Eddie Julian had an amazing stretch there of about, you know, four or five games where he was just unbelievable. Surprised he didn't win Player of the Week, where he had – he reached base like 10 times in 16 at-bats or something ridiculous. So, yeah, certain guys are getting hot at certain times. Uh, they've used Johan Duran quite a bit. They've used him in six of the eight games, which I like. Yes. I wonder, okay, what, they're, they're saving them. When are they going to use them? Well, they're using them now. They put them in save situations. And he got he got five saves in a week. Whoa! But they, from, they better shut him down for a month. That's way too much work yeah. for him. From from the Friday, from that first game against Oakland last week out of the All-Star break to uh, Saturday versus Chicago. So an eight-day stretch, he pitched in five games and got five saves. Hmm. So, yeah, he pitched in three straight games versus Oakland. I'm like, great, put him out there. And you know what he did? He didn't give up, a, he gave up one earned run. And he struck out uh, a couple guys. So yep. good to see him out there. Ziri is at 2.0, 2000. So throw him out there. Uh, trade deadline coming up next week. Add to the bullpen. That's all I ask. Yeah, they had some bullpen guys. But yeah, this is a, a lot of good players. They just got to live up to what they can do. So pink eye was going around, so they were without a couple guys. I think I mentioned it. I think I mentioned it last week that, you know, with the Twins winning that, you know, sweeping that series against Oakland, yes, it's great that they swept them, but it was how they did it that wasn't really all that inspiring. Well, you you lose, you you blow a six-run lead and have to come back and, and win that game. And it just didn't feel like, it felt like they were barely beating the worst team in baseball. Though Kansas City right now, look at this, 28-74 for Oakland, 28-73 for Kansas City. So, 
Uh, we erased the bottom there. Right. Yep. Yep. However, the run differential here, Oakland is 91 run worse run differential than uh, than Kansas City. But with that being said, you know, you kind of just felt like, okay, it's great that they won, but what are they going to do this week? And to be able to split with Seattle and, like I said, should have probably won three or four there. And then to, to sweep Chicago, and I think what, what helps the most is the way they were able to come back and win that game on Sunday. I would hope that that transpires some confidence in them as they go into you know th- this week against Seattle and Kansas City and then moving forward. But it is just nice to, to see them kind of rally a bit, win the games that they should, and extend that and, and you know regain the lead and extend it a little bit now to give themselves a little bit of cushion here. Well, there are three games up here and we're about 60 to go. And yeah, you got to get lucky once in a while on that. When, when yesterday was kind of a lucky win, you're down 3 nothing in the ninth. You don't usually win those games. Mm-hmm. So you need that once in a while. I feel like they're going to play the Yankees in the playoffs. And Yankees are out playing well. You just feel like they're destined to play the Yankees. And That's I mean, the this, this, this is the year to knock them off. Like, do do it this year. This is the year to do something. You've proven you're better than they are. Well, you beat them on four out of six, and this is not not one of the better Yankee teams. So, yep. Um, I mean, the Yankees. That, are, that's what's going to happen. The Yankees are in you know kind of free fall. Thank goodness the Royals came to town and they could sweep them. Though they almost lost one of those games to Kansas City. Uh, they're currently tied for last right now with the Boston Red Sox in the AL East. And if you want to talk about surprise winners and surprise leaders, let's look at the Baltimore Orioles. They have taken over first place in the AL East. They went down to Tampa Bay this weekend, took three out of four. The Rays are sputtering right now. The offense can't do much. They've had a lot of injuries to their pitching. This seems to be, I guess I should pull up the Rays schedule here, but considering how fast they started out and how bad things have gotten, you know, like right before the All-Star break, they had that seven-game losing streak and how things have, you know, gone here post-All-Star break, I, I'd be nervous if I were the Rays here because they have, I mean, I get you get to play the Tigers and the Cardinals coming up here, which is nice, and, you know, the Rockies in August, so that'll be good, but... Uh, Listen, they it's not like they have the easiest schedule. They still have four more at uh at uh Baltimore. They have the Red Sox and Blue Jays multiple times. The Rays need to figure it out here or they could be caught by the likes of Toronto and even Boston or New York depending on what they do at the uh trade deadline come August 1st. Yeah. The that division's tricky because I think he's in last place, but like they'd be leading the AL Right. So it's all kind of like context of where these teams are at. And Tampa Bay, they were six up to begin the month, number two back. And they haven't been playing as well for a while, but they've still got, what, the second best record in the American League, so... They got off to such a good start, so they got a they got a bit of a head start on everybody. Right, but that cushion is 
kind of gone now. I mean, they are, what, four and a half games up on the Blue Jays for that. Is it for, no. How many teams get in the playoffs? Four and a half up on Toronto for the last wild card spots. They're still six and a half games ahead of Boston and the Yankees. Yep, okay. They're they're still six and a half clear of making the playoffs. I think they're they're in good shape. They've had a few injuries here and there to their pitching staff. But yeah, I think they'll be they'll be all right. They're just yeah, we'll see what moves they make here next week. But they got up to such a good start, but yeah, they got they gotta pick it back up again. I saw some uh talk i think tim kirkton was on sports center on monday and he was talking about like what teams need to make uh, a move perhaps the brewers were mentioned the the reds were mentioned the yankees the the red Sox. you know and he, he, he mentioned the reds and i was a little surprised at that because i think both you and i kind of talked about this in regards to maybe the trade for shohei otani like how much would you be willing to give up out of your farm system considering how good you have the potential to be like is it worth it this year to try and get over them just make it in the playoffs or do you like you know the the way your team is set up for down the line for the future Marcus Stroman appears to be the big name out there Lucas Gilito uh both pitchers are in Chicago uh Stroman for the Cubs Gilito for the White Sox are those the two biggest names out there right now that you could see being moved? Are there any other guys out there outside of Shohei Otani that you think have a good chance to be uh, dealt by August 1st? Padres are not very good. No, they aren't. And they've got some guys. Uh, they've got Blake Snell, who's a free agent. So he could maybe be a big name. Blake Snell's a free agent, and I would not sign him at all in the offseason. You look at his his splits from the first half to the second half for his entire career, and his without exception, his first half has been awful. His second half, his second, if he pitches the way he does in the second half, he'd be the best pitcher in baseball. So I don't know what it is that the first half is very bad, the second half is excellent. Even when he won the Cy Young years ago, his first half wasn't very good. So he'd, he'd be somebody else. Uh, this is a yeah, – it, it's not a good time to need pitchers because there's not a lot of pitchers out there. Let me mention a couple guys. But other than that, and maybe Blake Snell, there's not a ton out there for starters. If you're the Mets, like I'm, I'm – trying to get rid of Verlander and Scherzer and they probably have no trade clauses in there. But if you're the Mets and you could unload some of those guys, I would. Because you're not going anywhere. You tried to win this year. It didn't work. I mean, Verlander's 40. I think Scherzer's 38. So they're they're not on long-term deals and they're not nearly as good as they used to be. But that could probably spark some interest if they decide that they want to make those two available, which they probably won't. Let me but, ask. Let me ask you this though: with the lack of the true starters out there that can make an impact, do you see then that teams will ha- have to give up or will be willing to give up some higher prospects? Like, will the will teams that are selling, like the the White Sox or the Cubs, are they going to get a lot more in return than they maybe would other in other years just because of the lack of 
um, starting pitching yeah. on the on the trade deadline market, and then also for the Mets because teams are going to know that the Mets want to or could potentially be looking to dump a lot of these you know big salary players, these guys that you know these older guys. Are they not going to get as much in return because teams know they want to get rid of them? I think they have the first one where you're probably going to get more for guys who normally would be good players. Like Marcus Stroman's had a very good year. Lucas Giolito's been good and bad. He was good yesterday against the Twins. So you look at look at the Dodgers, they're always active. Uh, the Astros probably want to add a pitcher. They've had a couple of young guys who have been okay. Uh, you know, the Giants are in the mix. Uh, then, you, then, you know, what, what, does Arizona want to do something? Yep. Tampa Bay, you mentioned Tampa Bay. Yep. And uh, the Reds need pitchers. The Reds had Sonny Gray, but they gave him to the Twins, so we appreciate that. Yep. So they, they've got all the, these offensive, young offensive guys, but they need some pitchers. So uh, Jonathan India, he won Rookie of the Year a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. And he's been, I guess, made available. He's he's a decent infielder. So they may go from their depth on the offensive side to, to add to their pitchers. So I think Hunter Green will be back later on in the year. You mentioned Andrew Abbott. He was a player of the week a couple weeks ago, and he's been excellent. So, yeah, the, the Reds need pitchers. A lot of teams need pitchers. The Twins certainly don't need pitchers. They don't need starters, at least. The bullpen guy would be nice. How active do you think the Twins will be at the trade deadline? And I also heard that you know the Yankees could be in the Stroman sweepstakes potentially, but they also may want to look at adding an outfielder. Could Max Kepler be the answer to the Yankees' prayers? I hope so. I hate it. He's been doing really well the last few weeks. But yeah, Twins, I have Twins. Maybe they'll make one trade for a reliever or... Yes, they, they could use a right-handed hitter. Um, Justin Turner with Boston was an interesting name. He's 38, but still having a very good year, and he's excellent against left-handers. He's a right-hander who hits left-handers pretty good, and he gets about 300 against them. So I, I, if, if Buxton could play center field, that would open up a lot of opportunities because you could put uh, you know 38-year-old Justin Turner at, at a DH. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get rid of Michael Taylor. Uh, he's been... He's kind of just been what he's been throughout his career. A little bit of power this year. Pretty bad hitter. Good defense. But it just doesn't appear that Buxton is going to be able to play the field. I don't know why. Yep. He stole I, I, That's the biggest. He stole a base the other day. So, so he can play most days. He's the DH. He can run the bases. He can steal bases. So he can start and stop and all this stuff. But he can't play the after ladder. So there's that. So, yeah, the Twins, I wouldn't look to the Twins to not be very active at okay. all. Um, you know, just thinking of the, the Reds within their division, you know, if we're looking at who might be buyers or sellers, certainly the Brewers, buyers, the Reds, buyers. The Cubs are kind of in that that odd spot there where, you know, they're not too far out of it, but likely not going. I mean, they're six and a half back in the central you know, do they they could buy or sell, but more than likely sellers. The Cardinals, that's the team to me. Like, I know they're old and they don't have a lot of 
I would like they need to rebuild something here because I think they they're just old and what's coming back like do, could we potentially see a Nolan Arenado get traded? Could no. we? No, I, I I'm just throwing it out. Like what do it, the Cardinals are bad? Like this is a, a down year for them. Like almost historically bad. Consider you know just given what the Cardinals have done and I don't know what they have in the future regarding their farm system like it for something that's that can turn them around quickly like so do you have to maybe sell off some of your pieces to 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 get some good prospects Look, their farm system's pretty good I guess in the top 10 oh is it okay well it shows how much I know it's good um, I would trade Paul Goldschmidt. He's 35. Okay. He uh, $26 million next year for Paul Goldschmidt. And then he's a free agent. So I would try to get something for him. Uh, Arenado, I feel like he's going to be there for a while. He's there for yeah, the next four, three, four years. Well, shows how much I know. I didn't know that I didn't realize that the Cardinals had a top 10. Uh, farm system, but is that well, something that's going to help them? Like, a year ago, what I'm looking at here, a year ago they were 18th, and now they're 8th, so they made a big jump. Okay. Uh, they've, got, they've got Jordan Walker, who's 21, who is, they've called up, has had a good rookie year. And they've got a couple of pitchers, I don't think they got much hitters, but they got, they got a few pitchers that are intriguing that should be ready next year, so they got a couple guys they could use for their rotation, which they need some pitchers because their pitching has not been very good. Well, and it, I just I look at how old that team is. There's a lot of spots to fill. Yeah, I mean, you, you should be able to trade some guys. I would trade Paul Goldschmidt, I don't, but they're not going to. Um, there's a lot of... Like, Tyler O'Neill is a guy who has struggled. They called him up a couple years ago, and he's not done well this year. So there's a lot of guys we could move, but... It's interesting. The Cubs have a guy I would love the Twins to get, Cody Bellinger. Mm. Uh, former Dodger, former MVP, having a real good bounce back here. He could he could be your center fielder. He's center fielder, first baseman. And if, if I'm the Twins looking to make a big splash, or maybe in the offseason, he's a free agent, I would try and get him. Would you trade Max Kepler? Or like, could you? Could oh, Kepler, oh, no, yeah, I, I know, I know Kepler, you would, but could... Would Kepler be a part of that deal? Oh, I. The Twins seem to like him. I, I, you have to get rid of Michael Taylor. You get rid of Kepler, that'd be fine. I'll be throwing a prospect or two. I, I'd love to sign him. Sign him as a free agent this year. That would be. I'd be. I'm sure he'd come here and be awful again. But <laughs> yeah, come. Sign him. You want to make a big move? I don't give him, give him fifteen twenty million here. That, that'd be great. There we go. Pair, pair, pair him up with Carlos Correa. I know the ones in the infield, ones in the outfield, but that would be big back to backs, uh, big signings uh, in back to back years for the Twins. The, the, the Pirates have a very good closer named David Bernard, mm. and he might be like, like the top reliever out there, but he's he's under team control for probably three more years. So you're probably going to have to give up quite a bit to get him. Sure. He might be the top reliever out there. The Rangers traded for Aroldis Chapman weeks ago, and he's been great. He's kind of their new closer now, and he was a guy that 
I would have loved the Twins to have gotten a roll this trap. But he struggled with the Yankees, maybe was injured a bit. But, yeah, he's been back to his old self. So imagine Chapman throwing 102 from the left side. The Twins could use a left-handed reliever, and then you got Duran throwing 203 from the right side. Would be sweet. That'd be a nice little one-two punch, but they're too goddamn stupid to make that happen. (laughs) Well, we will talk more about the trade deadline next week. if we record the podcast before, well, we'll, re- we'll talk about it regardless. We'll either talk about what has happened, what what some teams should do, or we'll react to it depending on when we record the podcast this week. Because next week, August 1st, I believe it's Tuesday, is the trade deadline. Just a couple other things in baseball here. Nationals won their, they swept their first series of the year. They sweep the Giants who have lost six in a row. And like I said, baseball is kind of a funny sport in that regard. Because the Reds were kind of on the skids and then... They got a win streak going here. Their win streak started, I believe, against the Giants. Um, uh, so they've won five in a row now. The Reds are are playing good. The Dodgers, they look like they're kind of in control now. They've seized control of the NL West. The Diamondbacks have fallen off a bit. I mentioned the Giants have fallen off as well. The Padres are not even really close to contention, but you know, still 10 games back. So we'll see what they can do. But uh, what else... Uh, from last week caught your eye. I mean, the Marlins, they had an eight-game losing streak and finally snapped that. Uh, They're an interesting squad as well. There's a lot of interesting teams going on in baseball, but it's the ups and downs. It's That's what baseball is. Yeah, you're trying to get some separation here and, like, who's serious. And it's, you know, nice to have the Marlins there, but it looks like they're on the brink of falling out of the race. Uh, What's... And then and Luis Rice come back down a bit. What is he? He's hitting 379, so it's so extremely good. Yeah, the Diamondbacks, they've hit the skids a bit. They were what? They've lost 8 of 10. They're just the opposite of the Twins. So they were swept by Cincinnati over the weekend. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, I hope Arizona sticks around. If you're Cleveland, uh, you lost Shane Bieber mm-hmm. probably for the rest of the year. Uh, I feel like this is a big week for Cleveland because they've got Kansas City and the White Sox for seven games. So it feels like you got to go five and two. So if you find yourselves five or six games out next week, you're, you're three games back now. You feel like you're going to be no worse than three games back next week with, with the schedule they've got. So if you're Cleveland, do you bother to do anything? Your offense sucks. Your pitching's getting thin. If you're Cleveland, you probably don't do much of anything. You just kind of stand pat. Yep. Oh, shit the bed, and you can seal a playoff spot. But well, you you look at the the Guardians August coming up here. They have the Astros uh, for two games. They, they play them once in July. But you have the White Sox. You play the Blue Jays uh, six times, or the two in two series. You have to go to Tampa Bay. Have to go to Cincinnati. Yes, Detroit comes in there, but you host the Dodgers. That's not going to be easy. And you have to go back to Minnesota at the end of the month. That to me does not scream. You know, it, it's not going to be easy for Cleveland. So yeah, they have to take advantage of this next week here. Uh, and yeah, it's. They're in a, like I said, between them and the Cubs, you know, they're teams that are in kind of precarious situations. Like you're close enough 
that you could win the division, but that's because your divisions both stink. So, like, what's the what's going to help you more in the future, in the long run here? Do you want to try and sneak into the playoffs this year? I suppose every team wants to win, but how much are you willing to give up for that, you know? Like, at this point, there is no reason why the Twins should win this. I agree. I think isn't they're just it, it, I mean geez it, it just isn't so Josh Hader with with the Padres would be another interesting name they just traded for him last year but again Padres are no good so they could get rid of him he would be a, an excellent closer for some team but yeah I, I just wouldn't expect Cleveland to do anything just because even if you get in so I mean you, you just got to get in but if you do, it, it doesn't appear that you're going to make a serious run. So, if you're Cleveland, probably just stand back and see what happens. Buxton is on the paternity list, and he will miss the series against the Mariners, which may not be a bad thing, considering yeah. the... Uh, he, was, he was starting to heat up a little bit when he hit a couple home runs. In one, in one game, though. Like, it's... Huh? It, it was in the same game, though. I mean, yeah, back-to-back home runs. Yeah, that's good. He was excited. Um, what they called up, Trevor Warnick, um, not great. So when's Royce Lewis coming back? Probably in September. Okay, maybe late August. So yeah, get him going. You got Alex Karloff with the hot bat. You got Julian's been doing well. Mm-hmm. Younger guys. You get Bucks and Korea going. You got you got people there. So Korea's doing better. Um, still need more from him, but yeah, yeah, moved the leadoff spot, and for some reason he's been doing better. So yeah, anything else baseball related we need to get to? Do you have a Do you have a pitcher or a hitter of the week? Oh well, um. Let's give it to Alex Karolov since he's been doing so good. He okay. was a player of the week this week. All right. Um, I'm not going to give it to Emilio Pagan. He picked up a win, which doesn't matter. He's 5-1. and one, But Pagan has done better here for the last month or so. But that, I mean, he, he could he could throw scoreless settings here from here to the moon. And I'm not trusting him in a playoff game. I would agree with that. At any point whatsoever. I so. can't believe he hails from South Carolina. Emilio Pagan does not sound like a name from South Carolina. No, certainly not. Very picture good. of the week. Um, you, don't, you don't have to give a picture of the week if you don't want. We could do a picture of the week next week if that's easier. Well, that was, uh, well let's see. Who, who do we got? I don't I, 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 We'll do a picture. Okay, we'll do a picture next week. Then, as we talk about the trade deadline as well. Oh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll do this. I'll do this. Okay. Uh, certainly, this guy's an all-star. Uh, Felix Bautista. Do you know who Felix Bautista is? Uh, I feel like I've heard of him, but I maybe I haven't. He's the closer for the Orioles. Oh, yes, yes, yep. He gave didn't he give up a run in the All Star game? Uh, I think so. He leads baseball with twenty eight saves. He's thrown forty nine innings. Guess how many strikeouts he has? Uh, fifty two. 
96. Holy shit, I should have guessed way more than that. One, Yeah, why would I say just one strikeout per inning? That's dumb. So that, that is extremely good. Yes. 17 and a half strikeouts per nine. So, um, he's the best closer in baseball. What is his ERA? Uh, 0. 0.84. 0.92. Ooh. That's real close. Ooh, that's, I feel, that makes up for the 52 strikeouts, I guess. If this was Parks' right, the, the guy climbing the mountain wouldn't have climbed very far. No, he would not have. Nope, the, the cliffhanger, yep. <laughs> If this were prices right, I may have won both showcases being that close. Yeah, we were within a tenth of a, of a, of a point on the ERA. So he has been extremely good. Again, the, the Orioles need to add some pitchers. A lot of their guys have not thrown this many innings. So I'm interested to see what Baltimore does. Because Bautista, this is only his second year in the majors. He's, he's still he's 28, which is on the older end. Mm-hmm. For it being the second year, but he threw 65 innings last year. He's well on his way to throw over 70, so he's the closer. So I'm interested to see what Baltimore does, how aggressive they are, because the way they're playing, they, they can they can win this. They can win a lot in yes. the playoffs. And think they're so young. This team surprised a lot of people last year. I don't think many people expected them to be competing for the division title this year. They are going to be, I would say, a consistent threat and team atop the AL East for a while here as they're as it currently stands. You would hope so, but you never know. Yeah. These things come and go. Well we thought Toronto was going to be kind of that team here over the last couple of years and they have not I mean they've been good, but they haven't been, you know, the best team in the division like I maybe thought they would be. They've been right. They've been good. They've been a playoff team. Yep. And like Seattle, you know, Seattle finally made it last year after twenty years and now this year not so, not so good. So you, you got to strike while you can. So if pitching can the pitching hold up? What do they add? Oh, maybe maybe Baltimore makes a big. That'd be good. Um, any thoughts on the women on the FIFA Women's World Cup? No. Okay. Very good. I think I didn't expect it. But I just thought I needed to ask. We'll try and get Marcus Traxler on here to to get some thoughts on the opening games here of. The uh, FIFA Women's World Cup. Anything else? I don't think, you know, training camps are opening up. Is there anything you're excited about with NFL training camp? Probably not, but I I need to ask. Jordan Addison went quite fast in a vehicle. He did, but but there's more information now that's come out about that. What was wrong with his dog? When when was this? I I assume this was like 2 a.m. and not at 8 o'clock at night. This was at 3 a.m., yes. 3 a.m. 3 a.m. and something's going on with your dog at 3 a.m. I'm not sure I believe him. 140. That's way too fast. I agree. That's a, it's a I'm not decision. sure I own a vehicle that could go that fast. You do, The Durango's not going to go 140? If it, yeah, I, I don't, I don't like... Yeah, the chances of it going that 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 <laughs> fast. If something's going on with my dog, like 140 seems beyond the beyond capable of controlling the vehicle very well. I would agree with that. It is a Lamborghini, for what it's worth. I mean, those are high speed vehicles. Yeah. I would I would not feel safe going 140 miles per hour, no matter what I was driving. I think it's a I think it was a poor decision uh, to. To make yeah. 
uh, regarding, like, I mean, going 140, you, you're, it's it's absolutely reckless. You put a lot of people in danger, including yourself and your dog, who's having an emergency. But at least there oh, is the dog with him. I think so. I thought the dog was at home. Okay, I haven't looked into this whole lot. No, I I, I thought so. Maybe maybe not. This. Uh, Oh so yes, no, it was. It, yeah, it said he's, it says he it stated his dog was having an emergency at his residence, and that was the reason for his speed. Uh, so yeah, he, it, it was. You're right. He was at home. He was ha- I think he was at home. Yep, you're right. You're right. I I misread that. So he's going to to help his dog who's in some sort of distress. turmoil. Yep, distress. How he knows it's at three in the morning, I'm not quite sure. I'm not up that late. Um, I don't know. But if he, if, I, don't, I, I don't believe him. It's not a good start. Don't do stupid stuff. Yeah, it's. it's no, a no, no matter how many things like this happen, people will continue to do this. Yep. But yeah, not not a good first impression. It, it's there. At least there's some more circumstances, and he wasn't drunk. It appears that's the that's the good thing yeah. I would say. But it's still a it's a terrible decision to go 140 miles an hour, and yeah. Um, Yep. Unfortunate there, so... Yeah, that's about it. He issued an apology a day later and said, saying he made a mistake and used poor judgment. He also promised not to repeat the behavior, but he did not say anything about his dog's emergency. Yeah, how's your dog? Did the dog... I don't don't know where you can go because vet clinics aren't open. Like, I don't know where you're going to go or what you're going to... So what was so... I assume somebody had to call him to let him know. Maybe maybe the dog ate a bunch of chocolate. Maybe. Somebody had somebody has to call him at three in the morning to let him know something was going on with your dog. And I apparently can't handle it. I need you to get here. So I think it's a bunch of horseshit, but we'll see. Do do be a good football player and we'll uh, ignore all your other deal. I think Adrian Peterson he went like one twenty, one thirty. At one point, so. A couple other NFL notes here while we're on the subject. Uh, Naheem Hines, running back for the Buffalo Bills, who they traded for from the Indianapolis Colts last year. He is likely out for the year after suffering a knee injury after getting driven into by a jet ski. His jet ski was idle, and someone ran into him. So, that's... If I was... Like, he's not a star player or anything, but he's a, he's a, he's a good good player. Yes. Like, I, I wouldn't do any of this shit. A star returner. He's probably making a half million at least a year, if not more. He was sitting on a stationary jet ski when he was struck, and it appears like he tore his left ACL. I don't know. Like, I that's, a, that's a, like an act of God, almost. Like, that's not anything that he did. It's the, the stupid person who drove into him, obviously hard enough to tear his ACL. What's that person feeling like today? Like, what happened there? There seem, there's there's more to this story here. Unfortunate for him, bad luck, but... I'm not a swimmer or a jet skier anyway. So I wouldn't be doing that. Again, like, like, if you're a star athlete, I wouldn't put myself in position to be in a jet ski, even if you're sitting on it. I wouldn't be on a boat. Don't pull a Jose Hernandez, or Fernandez, right? Who? Jose Jose Fernandez, right? The Marlins pitcher. Yeah, one dude cocaine on a boat. I wouldn't. 
go 140 miles per hour in a car. I wouldn't go on roller coasters. I wouldn't drive a motorcycle. Don't go on a love boat in Lake, at Lake Minnetonka. Don't do that. And, you know, that's, um, you know, I would imagine it was a nice leisurely cruise, but, yeah, the, the incidents on boat were not good. So, yeah, a lot of things you shouldn't be doing. Don't be, don't be in the back of a pickup truck. No, don't don't beat up your girlfriend or wife. So, a lot, a lot of things people shouldn't be doing. Also, still also, the running backs, a bunch of running backs had a meeting this uh, weekend on via Zoom to discuss uh, the the state of the running back position and what they should be doing. Um, just floated out ideas. Nothing really concrete, anything like that. However, however, Raiders running back Josh Jacobs has left Vegas and is not planning to return unless he gets a new deal. He and Saquon Barkley both had, I think, until last Monday to sign their franchise tags, and that didn't happen. And now uh, Saquon's threatening to hold out into the season. And without him, I think the Giants are, that certainly takes their offense down a bunch. And Jacobs, who, remember last year, played in the Hall of Fame game and was ran quite a bit. And everyone thought that the Raiders were auditioning him to be traded. Then he goes out and has a pretty good year. Um, who knows if he's, when or if he's coming back. So, the state of the running back position and a couple of star running backs will keep our eyes on here as we get into training camp preseason and, of course, the regular season. Have they, have they started to go fund me yet? Uh, probably not. Uh, enjoy your time off. We won't miss you. Well, it's, it's less wear and tear on their bodies, right? How to work out for Le'Veon Bell. Not great. Not great. Got out and he went to the Jets and what, two years later he's out of football? Yep, pretty much. He was at the Ravens so, last year, I believe. Saquon Barkley, what, he could make $10 million with the franchise tag? Yes. So, and like he had not, I mean, he'd been injured. This was really his first good year. His, he was great as a rookie, I believe. He and, had, what, 1,300 yards as a rookie. That's pretty good. And then week, yeah. and then years two and three, he was injured. Yeah. He had 1,000 yards the next year in 13 games. He pretty much missed all of 2020. Came back, was it? Very good in 2021, but then last year he was kind of like he was as a rookie. Pretty similar numbers. But yeah, you're this will be his sixth year. I mean, Dalvin Cook is still unsigned. I think is he going to go to the Dolphins or the Jets or this team or that team? I think that's his decision, though. Like, pick a team, Christ, it's, you know, coming up on it, and he's still not signed with anybody. So, yeah, it's just a position that people don't need. You just look at the teams that have won the Super Bowl, and running back has not been important to those teams winning Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And you look at the teams that are good, and those teams do not have star running back. So it's been deemed that running backs are not important to success. Agreed. Agreed. So, uh, anything else we need to get to before we say so long? Could be it. More baseball. Excited about the baseball. So. Yep. Uh, next week. Final week of July, beginning of August, we will, uh, of course, talk Major League Baseball trade deadline, any news from NFL training camps, we maybe start getting into college football, 
uh, preview. We're going to have a lot of college football to talk about throughout the month of August. We'll do a lot of previewing with Charlie Hildebrand, but of course we'll talk about it as well when we uh, talk. And it's going to be a lot of fun here. Football is fast approaching, but for now we are going to focus on the baseball. And I will focus on the World Cup. With Mark. You do that, I'll do this. Yes. Oh, what, what's this? Oh, or were you just saying you do that? Just the, the a phrase. I'll do the baseball, you do the soccer. Okay, that sounds good. We'll do that, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll dabble in some baseball as well. Right, we'll dabble, we'll see what happens. All right, sounds good. Uh, survive the heat this week, my friends. Stay cool, and we'll talk to you next week. Going inside, we're going to Omaha this weekend. Going to be probably getting warm down there. Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. But we're going we're gonna to stay inside as much as possible. All so. right. Enjoy the zoo and have some no-name steaks. Thank you. We'll try. We'll try. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Krenz. All right. We'll see you. Travis Krenz joining me here. Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time. As always, great stuff there. Lots of baseball talk. We talk about Brian Harmon, his surprise win at the Open Championship. We will talk some soccer here, though. We'll talk about the FIFA Women's World Cup. Maybe even a question on Mbappe? The Saudis? Talk about that. Hopefully, we'll, we'll try and get Marcus Traxler on. Can't guarantee, but we'll try and get him on here this week to talk about it all. So that's coming up next here. Uh, well, I'll for sure talk about the women's uh, FIFA Women's World Cup a little bit. And if Marcus joins me, that would be great. But we'll see about that. You can find this podcast available on podcast.com as well as on iTunes. Just search Sports Block. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken. Travis Krins is on Twitter at Travis Krins. Link to the podcast to post the middle to later part of each week. What? They're calling it X now? That's stupid. It's dumb. What is Twitter doing? What is Elon Musk doing? He's screwing this whole thing up. Maybe we'll get on threads here at some point. Talk about it all. We won't talk about that anymore. But we'll talk FIFA Women's World Cup next here as we continue on the Sports Block Podcast. Available on podcast.com and on iTunes. All right, continuing here on the Sports Block podcast, the Women's World Cup is ongoing in Australia and New Zealand, and we'll talk about that more with my good friend from the Mitchell Daily Republic. It's Marcus Traxler. Marcus, how are we doing? I'm good, Stacking. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for taking some time to talk with us about this World Cup here. Uh, every team has gone through their first match. Uh, just what are some of your overall impressions of what we've seen so far before we dive too much into, or more into Team USA specifically? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's, uh, there's, you know, there are some blowouts in this first uh, go-around of games, but I've been surprised, at, frankly, at how close some of these games are. We're going to get into the U.S. I think it's fair to say that was closer than we expected. Mm-hmm. But France, France drawing with Jamaica, that was a surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Netherlands, you know, gets by Portugal 1-0. And you had Sweden, you know, winning in the last minute. They're, they're a team that we talked about you know, maybe being around on the last weekend. England, uh, you know, a lot like the U.S., uh, you know, barely gets by 80-1-0. Mm-hmm. Um, China was a team that I thought maybe could – uh, be in the mix. Denmark beats them. So I, I think we've had our share of kind of interesting results here as we've gone. And um, sure, you're going to have your Brazil uh, blowing out Panama. You're going to have Germany blowing out Morocco. Um, but I've been a little surprised at sort of these, what I would classify blue blood you know, programs. Uh, you know, a few of them at least having a, a decent levels of struggles in the yep. in the opening match. 
Nope, I, I completely agree. Uh, I mean, Group C, to me, appears to be the one with the, the greatest disparity in talent, with Japan and Spain clearly ahead of Costa Rica and Zambia. And uh, to me, the Group of Chaos, as it appears so far, may indeed be Group A, because New Zealand, in the opening match of the, the World Cup, beats Norway for the first for the nation's first ever World Cup win, men or women. So that's that's huge. And I'm thinking now, oh, they, like they have a golden opportunity against the Philippines here. And then the Philippines beats New Zealand 1-0 in the second match. Switzerland uh, has four points. Norway with one. And I thought maybe Norway would come out. To me, if I'm looking at how this is all kind of playing out so far, uh, Group A seems to be the most chaotic, I would say. Yeah, not out of the question that, uh, you know, all four of those, any one of those four teams could still get out of this group. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that makes it interesting. I, you know, I don't remember exactly what I said uh, last week, but I, I do kind of look on uh, with, with South Korea. They got kind of taken apart by Colombia yes. in their match. Germany, I think we would expect to get through, and they won 6-0. I, I think Group G is also interesting where you have Sweden and Italy winning, uh, but they were close matches, um, and and certainly Argentina, South Africa, those could be teams that at least you know jump up and maybe you know bite somebody's ankle and, and cause an upset. Yep, no doubt. Uh, another one of surprising uh, Canada and Nigeria uh, going to a, a scoreless draw. That was a, a lot, a little surprising. I thought Canada would be able to to win that match in Group B. But we'll see how it all pans out. You know, there's still plenty more matches for these, you know, two matches in group play and and uh, for most teams anyway, and we'll see about that. You touched on Team USA only beating Vietnam 3-0. I think I heard, what, that they won their opening match back uh, in the last World Cup, what, 13-0, something like that. Uh, A lot of golden opportunities for them. They just couldn't cash in, give Vietnam's goalkeeper some credit, made some good saves. They hit, you know, had shots go wide, had some shots hit off the post or the crossbar. Um, So certainly the U.S. and the U.S. didn't even give up a shot all game long. So um, goalkeeper, you know, hope hope she got a good uh, hot shower for all the work that she did there just uh, pacing around in her net. But... You know, there's so much meat left on the on the bone here for Team USA to score, and hopefully they can capitalize here. But this was their easiest match within their group in Group E. Yeah, no question. It is sort of a mixed bag where um, you felt like the U.S. should have won by more, uh, and the stat sheet would indicate that. They had the ball for two-thirds of the game. It took 28 shots. Like you said, Vietnam didn't even put any shots in the air, let alone get them on goal. Um, and you saw a lot of the kind of key players that you wanted to see uh, at least get some level of um, play in this first game. You know, Sophia Smith was one of the players we maybe talked about in that preview last week, you know, yeah. saying she could be a player in this tournament. She gets two goals in the opener. Vietnam parked the bus, uh, you know, to, to so to speak. They weren't going to uh, try They were just going to do what they could defensively. I think try to keep this margin of victory as low as they could. Mm-hmm. I was a little struck in the first, you know, sort of half hour of the game that Vietnam was a little bit more physical than I had expected. I wouldn't say that the U.S. was necessarily caught off guard by that, but I just felt like uh, the U.S. was not asserting itself the way I thought it should. Sure. And uh, that was the one thing that I think is a little interesting. Um, I'm almost positive they assured, they thought they would win by more than three goals. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't happen. Vietnam played relatively good defense. Um 
but and, and one of the rules ended up kind of being a, a head scratcher regarding the offside and VAR and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, you don't you don't scoff at the three points, uh, but you know things are going to get more difficult. Uh, and we talked a little bit previously about Netherlands. Um, they're certainly going to be looking at that first game tape and saying, okay, well, we got a chance to knock these guys off and potentially win the group. And we talked, you know, previously about what a huge advantage it will be to win this group. So you don't want to be the team that finishes second right. and potentially has a lot more difficult path uh, to the end of the bracket. Yep, certainly. Um, you know, and I know we had talked about Sophia Smith last week, but she had two goals and an assist. So she had a hand in all, uh, but I guess not literally, but uh, you know what I mean, a pun intended, I guess, on all of the goals for the U.S., but I feel like for some novices, and I'll include myself in here because I don't watch every match that they have leading up to the World Cup, but I feel like this is almost like a real coming out party potentially for Sophia Smith, that she could be the next real uh, face of U.S. women's soccer. Absolutely. I mean, she's only she's only 22 years old. It's interesting to kind of see her, her path. She, um, she was at Stanford. Uh, she plays currently here in the U.S. for Portland Thorns, and we talked a little bit about how the NWSL, you know, it's there. You don't necessarily um, – there's sort of mixed levels of awareness. They've certainly gotten their chances to be um, on television, but she was a player of the year last year in, in that league and, and the U.S. soccer player of the year as well. And she clearly has an incredible ability to sort of sense, uh, you know, what she's doing out there in the front with the ball and – um, this is her first World Cup, as you would expect, and uh, has had the chance to be called up. Obviously, those those front forward positions, a lot of players want them, and not everybody's able to, uh, you know, embrace them to the degree that she has. She's only been on the national team for less than two years, um, and this is really the first major competition that she's had a chance to be a part of. And in her, in her debut to score twice was really impressive. I feel like I am mistaken with this, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but does the goal differential matter at all or not now since there is, you know, since the top two in each group advance? Yeah, it, it will matter if uh, they need to decide, you know, between one and two if they're even on points and same thing sure. okay. with, uh, two, with two and three. So, yeah, it does matter a lot. Um, you know, I think if you're the U.S., not that uh, it necessarily was going to be a – um, you know, real question uh, of, of beating Vietnam. But, you know, if, if one of these other teams goes out and pounds Vietnam, okay, now all of a sudden there's a huge, you know, there's there could be a huge goal disparity, and that could put some pressure on the U.S. as well. So it's going to be interesting to see, especially when you have a group where yeah, you have the opportunity to maybe run it up against one team. Uh, that can make a huge difference. But I'm even thinking, like, you know, Japan – routes uh, Zambia five to nothing Germany puts up a six spot on Morocco and stuff is that going to impact later on down the line that like the just the large gap in uh, goal differential that disparity will that impact the U.S. and the U.S. should have taken more advantage of scoring the, these goals against Vietnam um well well we should point out okay so the brackets are slotted right yeah. so yeah. your group you know the U.S. is in group E so they I, and I don't remember exactly how it's all set up, but usually in a typical in a typical World Cup, 
you know, the winner of Group E will play the second team from Group F. So, you know, it's yeah. not like it's reseeded based on the goal differential, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, but, I, you know, I think it, yeah, so, that was what it was in the past, right? Just because they – or am I mistaken in that? I don't think it ever was. Okay. But maybe, I mean, I guess, you know, I, we talked a little bit last week about how uh, the differences between the men's and the women's tournament. So maybe they were doing that in the women's tournament, and I just didn't catch yeah. it. But I would imagine now that we're at 32 – they, if they were doing that, I don't think they're following it now. Or, so or maybe I think everything would, should be slotted based okay. on the groups and where you finish one or two. I think I was thinking like prior to when they didn't have it up to the thirty-two that you know there, you would have those additional wild cards and it would or teams so you might get three teams out of a group. And right. The that, that's, yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, that's a that's a yeah that's a worthwhile point there. Yeah, so so then that that whole point kind of goes by the wayside. I was just looking though, you know, where like I said, Germany six nothing over Morocco, Japan five nothing over Zambia, and they're going to get you would think bigger, you know, margins of victory, you know, to, to kind of pad that um, goal differential up, and if that would impact, you know, the U.S. for seeding later on down the line in the tournament, but um, you know, it likely won't, provided that you the U.S. wins Group E which is all that they need to focus on at this given time. Um, and then just to complete the thought, since we yeah. talked about it, Group E is matched up with Group G, so that means Sweden or Italy, as it stands now, um, are the teams with three points. So that's kind of you know one and two, the U.S. and the Netherlands, maybe looking at Group G and Sweden and Italy as the team they may see in the round of 16. Yeah, I don't know if I really want to see Sweden that that soon, but uh, yeah, that that will will cross that bridge when we get there. Um, any any other real big takeaways, I guess, from the team from Team USA's win or what they need to do moving forward? Of course, obviously, score some more goals. You really can't take a whole lot defensively and certainly goalkeeping wise. You know, they weren't really tested. So is that kind of the the key? Is like okay. We know we weren't tested that much on the back end against an inferior opponent, for lack of a better term. But we know the competition's gonna, uh, you know, get better here come these next two matches. I mean, what what more can they do? I guess uh, outside of offensive uh, efficiency. Well, I can't say that I know. I never played soccer, so I'm not gonna pretend to be an expert here on on how they manage this, you know, four days between games or five days, whatever it is. But, Mm -hmm. you know, they obviously face really good players in practice. And so I imagine that's probably the the type of thing that you're really emphasizing to those defensive players is, okay, let's get a couple looks here on, uh, you know, sets, formations we might see against uh, Netherlands, against Portugal going forward. You know, what are the things we need to prepare against? Because, yes, Netherlands is going to force – uh, corner kicks and set pieces. There will be fouls in the U.S.'s half of the field. So that is something that I think you you probably spend a lot of time on here in this interim period before match day two, and then you roll it into match day three as well uh, at the end of the group stage. And I'm guessing that's where a lot of energy is going to be focused. And that uh, second match against the Netherlands will be Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Any other thoughts on the World Cup at all here? I mean, this the schedule's a bummer. I, yes. I just can't get over it. It's it's uh it's good for the U.S. because they played. You know, they're going to have these two night games to start things off. But going forward, it's it's just going to be difficult to 
kind of keep track of the tournament because a lot of it's just going to happen when we're not really paying attention. Yeah, I'd like to watch more of it. It's just difficult, you know, that early in the morning. I, I, I was able to watch a little bit more last week just because the Open Championship was on, so I got up early to watch golf. Had yeah. a couple of matches on there, but, yeah, otherwise I'm not going to – sorry, I'm not going to get up at 2 a.m. On, on Sunday to watch Norway and the Philippines. It's just not – Yeah. it's just not going to happen. Uh, while I have you here, though, uh, you know, since we're talking soccer – Wondered what uh, your thoughts on this Mbappe situation is. He has uh, reportedly been offered some like quarter of a billion dollars from Saudi Arabia Soccer League. It sounds like he's turned it down for now, like he's not interested in it, but who knows? I mean, that's a ton of money here, and the Saudis are certainly getting into the, the realm of sports. You know, they've already gotten into golf. They're certainly trying to get into soccer, even the NBA now, it sounds like. They're punt. They're pumping in a ton of money here. Makes a lot of people uneasy. Uh, I'm happy that Mbappe hasn't do- done it yet. But what's to say he won't do it? What are your thoughts on that whole situation? Well, they sort of floated this to, to a few different players, right? They kind of floated it uh, to Ronaldo. They floated it to Messi. Um, it's it's kind of interesting to see you know who's who they've gone after. I mean, the in no way is the is the Saudi, you know, soccer league really, you know, that legitimate? It's not something that, uh, you know, people spend a whole lot of uh, time thinking about, but, you know, the money will get people's attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is it is one of those things you just, you kind of shake your head at. Um, and as we said, uh, Ronaldo, he's, he's uh, signed on the dotted line. And um, Mbappe, I think, you know, he is young. This would be the prime part of his career that he's giving up. What's interesting is that this is only one year yes. as, as far as what we're hearing. And the, the, the crux of that is he's with Paris St. Germain now and the fee to, to be transferred would be, you know, 332 million plus there'd be all the money that Mbappe would be getting. And a lot of people are wondering, okay, well, is this just a one year deal to sort of free him up? to play with Real Madrid next year. So um, a lot of people are just watching that. I, I think PSG is probably saying, all right, well, what are we going to do, not take this money? I mean, it's. I know that they're one of the you know five, maybe ten richest uh, clubs in the world, but um, they would probably be stupid. If, if Mbappe wants to take this offer, they'd be stupid to turn down $332 million because you can go buy a lot of really good players for that. So um, it's just it's interesting to see all the moving pieces here and what exactly they're going to they're gonna do. But this offer is real, like you said, um, and the Saudis in the last, you know, I don't know how far back you'd go, five years, really have thrown a lot of money at sports. It's not going to stop. We obviously have seen it on our own shores here now with the with, uh, you know, advancements in golf mm-hmm. that they've made since June and um, aside from live and then obviously formula one and some of the other sports, they already were in soccer mm-hmm. with having their hands in, in different clubs around the world. So this is uh, you know, I don't think it's going away. I mean, no. I would expect that these investments will continue to pick up and they will at some point invest in American big four sports. Yeah. I mean, I just think that's a lock. And it's going to be which team or which league is going to allow this to happen. Yeah. Um, and what the backlash is going to be? What's going to be the aftermath of it all? Well, I mean, I really think that at some point they're going to wear they're going to wear you down. 
Uh, that's what sports washing does. Um, and that's, you know, the, I think the, the, the idea has been that the NFL, you know, right now doesn't need it, wants to kind of avoid it. But I don't know that the other leagues necessarily are going to be able to do that. So um, I don't I don't really understand what what it buys you other than, you know, sort of the cachet. Uh, but they want to, obviously, it, it sort of will freeze up to allow, you know, Saudi-owned businesses, the Aramco's, things of that nature to get involved in American sport, sponsor and make deals and, you know, try to make money, make business. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, anything else you would like to discuss here before we say so long? Well, I mean, you brought it up, right? You, yep. you watched the golf. Uh, we had, you know, the British Open this last yep. weekend and, uh, a lot of names kind of sniffing around, but Brian Harmon uh, never never backed down. And uh, one of those players that, uh, when I went to the U.S. Open in 2017, uh, was in the final group. Uh, you know, for a left-hander that yes. doesn't seem to have the power that you need in today's game, it, it was impressive to see him win essentially wire to wire um, at the British Open. Do, um, I told Krenz this earlier. You should pull up his profile on espn.com and just you know like just look at uh like pull up the score and just click on him he looks like a completely different person on on espn than he did at the open i guess i'm I'm looking at the photos that google has here and yeah there's a pretty wide wide array of what he was he's shaved now he he has all this hair back on on espn like it's it's insane uh he, he looks like a completely different person i do think if mcelroy had dropped a few more putts this would have it would have completely changed the complexion of the of the tournament uh he just couldn't he, he just kind of came up short again and we're approaching now a 10-year drought with him for majors which sucks but it was an incredible display of uh executing their game plan to perfection as you say he's not a long distance hitter but you have to be accurate. And prior to that 72nd hole, he had hit only one bunker all week long. That is the recipe for success. And 108 putts, fewest, I believe, in open championship history. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes the, the phrase target golf gets a bad rap because, you know, it's just the idea of, well, hit it here, hit it here, hit it here. Well, Brian Harmon did that incredibly well. He, yes. he hit, hit the big parts of greens, he putted the ball well, he, he played. He, was perfectly fine with par, you know, for the most part, players were not going out and shooting 63 or 62. And so, um, he was able to get out in front and, you know, he shot his 65 in that second round. That was, you know, eight strokes better than the scoring average that day. And mm-hmm. that ended up be- being a huge advantage. So I just find it interesting that, especially when there's so much talk about bomb and gouge and power in the game and rightfully so it's good to see somebody else win. It's good to see a mix. Um, I think it makes it really interesting for the Ryder Cup because he's going to be like third on points for the U.S. So yep. uh, he's probably he's probably going to qualify. And you know, one storyline that's being watched this week: the 3M Open is happening in the Twin Cities. Yep. Uh, Justin Justin Thomas is there, and he needs to figure something out uh, because he's been shooting in the 80s way too much. I think not even related to the FedEx Cup playoffs. That's the prime reason he's there, but mainly just uh, you know, if you're Zach Johnson, who's the U.S. captain. Um, I think you're saying, okay, I need, I want to take Justin Thomas. He's got a great history in the Ryder Cup, but I need to see some, I need to see some better rounds before we get to that point because I can't, I can't take a player that's shooting, you know, 82, 81 or whatever he shot at the U.S. Yeah. Open or at the 
British Open because um, the U.S. is trying to win a road Ryder Cup for the first time in three decades. Uh, ideally, they would have Justin Thomas, but it may not happen. Uh, let's just spin this forward. There's one spot left, um, and it comes down to Harmon or Justin Thomas. Who would you get? Who are you giving it to? Or I guess who would you give it to right now? It'd have to be Harmon, I would think, right? Well, Brian Harmon. So the U.S. with the points, they, they the top six points qualifiers are in automatically at a certain cutoff. I think it's in September, and so with the major, I mean. He's, he's probably good to go. Brooks Kepka's the same way. He's with the with the win he had at the PGA, and he's had a couple other good major finishes. He's going to be in the top six. He should make it. So the question is really, you know, something like, you know, would you take a Justin Thomas or would you take a Ricky Fowler? Well, right now I take a Ricky Fowler for sure um, because he's played better over yeah. the last three four months. I think certainly the talent is there with with Justin Thomas, but. Um, and, and another player that people are going to be talking about would be Tony Finau, who, who won at the 3M last year and um, is going to be sniffing around. He's played on the Ryder Cup in the past. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they decide this. The complexion of the team is going to be so important because uh, they really need to – they're going to be favorites uh, in Rome where the, where the uh, Ryder Cup is this year, and the U.S. just has not gotten that European monkey off its back playing over there. And so – I'm really eager to see how that all plays out at the end of September. Well, I am too. I'm looking forward to the Ryder Cup. And I also am interested in the dynamic with the guys who have left the live t- uh, for the live tour and you know how that kind of factors into the the Ryder Cup um, determination yeah. for, for for who who gets selected. I because th- I do think that's a real factor that you have to consider. Yeah, right now your top six for the U.S. your automatic qualifiers: Scotty Scheffler. Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Brooks Kepka, Xander Shoffley, and Patrick Cantley. So winning the majors makes a huge difference, especially when you get get closer to when they have to pick the team. Um, I would expect Max Homa. I would expect Cameron Young. I would expect Jordan Spieth to be on the team. And then they're going to have some decisions to make after that because you have 12 guys, and so that's nine. And so you're looking at Keegan Bradley, Colin Morikawa, Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, um, Sam Burns. I mean, it's it's Finau, Harris English. They're, they're going to have to make some some. It's going to be you know three of those guys. I would I would guess. And, um, it'll be interesting. I mean, I just think that uh, it's uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. Golf is an individual sport, but this is a team event, and that's where I think this the whole live PGA disaster, whatever you want to call it. I think that's. That becomes a big point here in who you select because ultimately you got to be cohesive as a team. You got to be able to play with one another, and I'm sure they would set aside their differences. But there could be—I mean, there obviously is some resentment amongst the players on the PGA Tour versus those on Live, and I—I I don't know. I think that would you. It's certainly a another consideration that has to be made this time for Zach Johnson that hasn't had to be made in the past. Yeah, it, it really looks like Kepka is going to be the only guy that is going to make it uh, from Liv. And I don't think Europe's going to have anybody involved. They're in a little bit different boat, too, because their team is uh, is sanctioned with the European Tour. So, you know, those guys kind of stuck it in the eye. The Liv guys stuck it in the eye of that team. So it's uh, it's um, going to be just, just really interesting. You know, Kepka has really kind of played it pretty cool. Uh, he's he's gotten along with a lot of the guys 
that are still on the PGA Tour. He's he's kind of left the door open to maybe come back at some point. And that was before June when we had this bombshell drop that, mm-hmm. you know, Liv and the PGA are looking to, excuse me, Saudis and, and the PGA Tour are looking to merge up. Liv may or may not survive, but it's very possible that at some point in the future, everybody's back on one tour again. And that's going to be, that's going to be interesting because uh, some of those guys burned major bridges when they left. And so what kind of penalty will there be to pay maybe literally um, to get back in the good grace of the PGA tour is going to be really interesting. You know, some players left and didn't burn bridges down Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka being the main one. Uh, Harold Varner basically made it super clear. I'm leaving because of the money. It's life changing money. And I think as this has gone, you know, we talked about the money with Mbappe. It's been more. It's been easier to to accept that. You 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 may not like what the Saudis are up to here, but like they're not going away in the in the realm of sports. It's they're they're here to stay, and long term they want to make an investment on their money. They can't make their investment on live right now with the way it's going. It's not popular enough. It's not turning a profit. It's mm-hmm. part of why they pursued this this uh, partnership merger, if you want to call it, with the PGA Tour. The business deals with the PGA Tour are going to give them a chance to make their money back to advance their business interests in the U.S. Mm-hmm. That's what ma- that's what matters. That's why they're pursuing it. And so, um, it's I don't love it, but it's going to be a really interesting thing to watch here in the next year um, to see how this all comes together and what's left of you know bringing potentially bringing everybody back under one uh, roof. And there will be you know sort of separate tours. Live may live on. Uh, with you know in a, in a series format but mm-hmm. um boy it, it boy it's going to be interesting to watch i we didn't talk in june uh but i have not been i don't know that i've ever been more stunned by a, a sports announcement in a very long time that was the most shocked i've been about anything yes uh, i had people i had people i was i was actually happened to be golfing that day and i wasn't looking at my phone mm-hmm. and i had people texting me and somebody said oh i hope you're having a better day than the pga's having today and i'm like oh okay yeah and like an hour later, I finally got back and actually looked at my phone. I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, and um, I, I just can't believe it. And now that we've had a, a month or six weeks or whatever we've had, mm-hmm. uh, I guess it's it's calmed down a little bit. But I'm still, there are still so many questions about how this is going to work out. Yep, I completely agree. I appreciate the honesty of Harold Varner saying it's about, you know, the life-changing money because not everyone is answering the questions truthfully. And right. yeah, I, I think the Golf Channel that day that the announcement was made, they went eight hours straight dissecting it without taking a commercial break. I and mean, it was some ungodly long period of time. And uh, yeah, it's quieted down a little bit, but it is that 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 first gateway, that first entry for for the Saudis to really kind of get into the mainstream American sports scene here. That uh, yeah, it's got a lot of people thinking. That's for sure. Well, Marcus, I always appreciate the time, my friend, and hopefully we'll be able to chat more here in the coming weeks about the World Cup. But enjoy that. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. All right. Thanks, Tackin. Thank you, Marcus. Marcus Traxler here to talk about the World Cup, also talk a little golf and stuff. So excellent stuff there. Appreciate his time, as always. Again, the U.S. taking on Netherlands in the second match of group play in the group stage. 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central Time on Fox on Wednesday. So by the time you listen to this podcast, maybe you'll already know the result. And hopefully it'll be a USA win. We'll talk more about the World Cup next week. Got some NFL news we'll talk about, baseball as well. We'll get to all of it here. Podcasts can be found on podcast.com and on iTunes. 
Uh, follow me on Twitter at Andy Stack and Facebook Nathan Stack. And Travis is on Twitter at Travis Crins. Marcus is on Twitter at Marcus Traxler. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. It's hot. Hopefully you're staying cool this week. Enjoy it all. Soon it'll be August. Our college football previews will get uh, going here. And we'll talk all about, still about the World Cup, NFL, and baseball, and anything else big in the world of sports. So for Travis and Marcus, I'm Nathan. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Stay cool. And we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.